Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. And say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about moving mountains. You ready for a spiritual breakthrough in your life? Moving mountains of adversity that try to keep us out of the promised land, the promises of God. But I do want to offer a disclaimer before I get into the depth of this message, because if you mishear it, you can't act foolishly and do some things that could be detrimental to your life. You don't want to do that. You want to hear with listening ears, with a right heart, attitude, and your mind to be open, and don't run with something without understanding the foundation for it. Too often people have done that, and they got themselves into some serious trouble by doing so. So, because Jesus is the one who taught this, I feel I'm in good company. Amen? Would you agree with me? So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. And this is the writing of the Apostle Paul. This is what Paul said. We having the same spirit of faith. Notice it's the same. It's not different. It's the same as they had then, the same we have now. According as it is written. There's your foundation. It's based on the truth of God's word. I believed and therefore have I spoken. Notice, we also believe, and therefore what? We speak. So, in the new covenant, we don't have to offer up sacrifices and perform certain rituals to exercise our faith, like they did in the old covenant. In the new covenant, what's required of us is to believe and to what? Speak. So we've got to believe something from the heart and embrace its truth. And then we've got to release our belief with our words. And that's called faith. This is called the spirit of faith. You believe and you speak. Now, Paul is actually saying that speaking is putting action, you could say, to our faith. Speaking is the primary action of faith. If I believe something strong enough, I'm going to verbalize it. I'm going to say it. Now, why is this all true? Because Jesus put an end to works. 
Jesus did everything that was necessary to redeem us. His finished work on Calvary and in the great plan of redemption, all that he did to redeem us back to the Father is a completed work. It's completed. There's nothing left to do. There's not another sacrifice to sacrifice. There's not another ritual to go through. There's not another feast day to keep or anything of that nature. What's left to do is believe and speak. And by believing, we access the grace of God. You see, the works of Jesus provides for us what? Grace. We're not under works, the works of the law. We're under grace. And because grace is available to all of us, it's up to us to access that grace. How? By believing and speaking. Look at Romans chapter 10, verses 6 through 10. But the righteousness which is of faith, what does it do? Speaks. Speaks on this wise. Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. Well, but what saith it? The word is near you. Even in your heart, in your mouth, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes to right standing with God, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then down a little bit in verse 13 it says, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice, we don't have to go through ceremonies we don't have to go to rituals. That, what you just read there, is the most important thing in any person's life. It determines where you'll spend your eternity. So how do I get from where Paul was telling them, you can't establish righteousness by the works of the law, so how do I get established in righteousness apart from the works of the law, believing in the finished work of Christ, believing he died on Calvary for my sins, believing his blood was shed for my redemption, believing he entered the high court of heaven, believing it was accepted by the Father at the throne of God, believing he obtained for me an eternal redemption. And I believe that with my heart and I say it with my mouth and I deny myself to take up my cross and follow you, Jesus. So come into my heart to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe it. I say it. I access saving grace by faith. By believing he's my savior and my redeemer. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. Salvation includes more than just being saved from eternal damnation. A lot more than that. I believe that Jesus used that same principle to show us or to teach us how we can remove mountains that stand between us and are experiencing everything Jesus shed his blood for. Jesus died for a whole lot more. He died for every aspect of our lives. And he taught us these principles that we can apply in our lives so that we can experience what he shed his blood for. We don't want his blood to fall to the earth in vain, do we? We want everything the blood was shed for to be realized in all of our lives, don't we? Amen. Completed redemption. Now, as we continue on, in a moment we'll look at Matthew 17, 20. But remember these foundational things. I, I call these foundational things. Because sometimes when you teach some things, you don't know where people are at. Number one, do you love God with all your heart? 
your soul, your mind, and strength. Do you? Uh, number two, are you surrendered to his will for your life? Number three, are you following his great plan? Do you want his great plan to unfold in your life? Okay. And number four, you're not practicing habitual sin, right? You're not practicing habitual sin. Okay. So let's just say those are foundational. Now we're going to move on to this tremendous principle that Jesus taught before he left to go back to heaven. His disciples and his followers and all who believe on him. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 17 and verse 20. And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, they couldn't remove a demon spirit from this particular fellow. And they asked why, Jesus, and he gave them a clear answer. Because of your unbelief. For verily I say to you, truly I'm telling you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say. Notice that expression that Jesus always uses after he says, if you have faith. If you have faith, you shall what? Say. Say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it might. There's a possibility. It shall remove and nothing. Ooh, everybody say nothing. Shall be impossible unto you. Did Jesus mean that? Did Jesus just reveal to us a scripture that reveals to us the truth that all things can be made possible to us if we apply that principle? What a challenge, wouldn't you say? What a challenge. The principle is this. If you have faith, which is your belief system, then you shall say. What did Paul say earlier in 2 Corinthians 4? We believe, therefore we speak. You believe it from your heart and you say it with your mouth. So if a mountain stands between you and victory, then you've got to make a decision that you're going to believe something and speak something about it. Now a mountain stands for what? An obstacle, an issue, a problem, a situation, a sickness, a disease, and the list can go on and on and on. We have all kinds of obstacles and roadblocks that we're all going to face in life. For example, the Red Sea, you could say was a mountain. When Moses took the children of Israel there and the Red Sea was right before them what a mountain that they had to get through and if you think about it there's no time to build a boat there's no time to invent an airplane right and as far as a bridge is concerned that's a pretty pretty big distance to build a bridge there was no time for that the enemy was pursuing him from behind so there's a mountain there's something preventing them from their success to get over to the other side and Moses was told by God when God appealed to him you've got the rod in your hand use it well you know the word in our mouth is like the rod in his hand I want to say that again the word in our mouth our heart and mouth is like the rod in Moses hand and when he put forth the rod what happened to the Red Sea well that be something to witness I'm telling you the father has to have this on DVD. It has to be on DVD. 
Because we know it says in Ephesians that he's going to put on a show for us. Man, get out the popcorn and let's get ready. He's going to put on a display, a show on a heavenly, I don't know, theater somewhere. Can you imagine watching all these different episodes of what took place? Manna coming down from heaven, 4,500 tons every day to feed the people. Water coming out of a rock, 11 million gallons a day to satisfy their need of thirst, for thirst. And I was seeing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the burning fiery furnace, and here they come out. Whoa, you can imagine the screams and, and all that when we see all that taking place. Goliath, you know, in front of David was like a mountain. He was a mountain of a man. What does David do? He believes something. I want you to see this. They're all from the same camp. They're all soldiers in the, arm, in the Israeli army. Are they not? And they're all there for 40 days and 40 nights and 40 days. And, 40, and what do they hear every day and every night, every day and every night? Goliath coming out and spewing out his venom. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to wipe you out. Do you have somebody bold enough to stand against me and my stature and my ability? And not one, including Saul, who was head and shoulders above any person in the Israeli army, would stand forward and say, I'll fight you. Except for young, ready David, 15 years old possibly, 16, somewhere around there, comes up with lunch for his brothers. He stopped at Pizza Hut on the way, picked up a one of those with a taco bell and both you know you can get a little bit of each some tacos he had some pizzas you know and he he goes up to the camp and he's got all these these bags he's carrying for all these people you know to feed them and all of a sudden he hears the screams of Goliath he's what did I just hear this is a little boy young kid what did I just hear did I hear what I thought I heard and they rehearse to him and just say, oh, he's been doing this for 40 days. We're tired of it, but we're scared out of our wits. And he stops and says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And they said to him, yeah, anybody that beats him, you get the honey, you get the money, and you get no taxes for the rest of your life. You get his daughter, you get money, and you don't pay taxes. What a proposition. Wouldn't you say that's pretty good? And so David says, well, take my words, take my words over to the king and let him know. I'll fight him. Oh, come on. His brothers are upset. Of course, King Saul says, you? You? You're but a kid. He's a warrior from his youth. He said, look, I defeated the giants, I mean, the lions rather, I defeated the bears. What are the giants? no big deal. He said, the God that I serve, you see this? He didn't just say it because someone says, you better say the right thing. He knew his God. He believed in his heart. The God that I serve who delivered me out of the hand and the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of this situation and then when Goliath came and stood before him and said, Am I a dog? You come at me, come at me with a stick. 
He said, I defy you. I'm going to cut off your head. And he said all his, you know, slanderous things. And David said, you can come at me with your sword and spear. No matter how big and strong you think you are. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You defy the army of the living God. And he will deliver you into my hand. And I'm going to feed your carcass and all the Philistines' carcasses to the fowls of the air. That wasn't a manufactured something. He believed that from his heart and he said it with his mouth. And what happened to the mountain of Goliath? You know the story. He defeated him not with stones like people think. He defeated him with what? Words. With words. Then you got Jericho's walls. Are they fortified? Yes. What about the warriors? You got walls, warriors, you know, seemingly impenetrable. And then you've got Caleb and Joshua saying, we're well able to take it. We can do it. Once again, we see obstacles that stand in our way. It would be nice if there were never any obstacles, any challenges, any situations that we have to confront in life, but that's not life. Since the fall of man, we have tribulations. But the point that Jesus is trying to make, if you want to deal with your mountain, know this, your mountain speaks. It has a voice. You know what your mountain says to you? I'm bigger than you are. It says, I'm stronger than you are. It says, I'm mightier than you are. It defies you. It says, you can't go over me. You can't get around me. And you certainly can't get through me. So what are you going to do now? Think about what your mountain might be this morning. What is that mountain? What is that challenge? You need a job? Are you bound by fear? Are you confronted with a sickness or a disease, etc.? The list goes on and on. It could be different things. It is speaking to you. There's no way that you can defeat me. You can't get over me. I'm too tall. You can't get around me. I'm too wide. You can't get through me. I'm too thick. You just can't do it. So what are you going to do? And we're all asked the same question. What are you going to do? Are we going to, well, look at our options. Are we going to try to get over it? We're going to try to get around it? We're going to try to bore a hole through it? Well, one suggested, why don't you just remove it? Remove it? Who would say a thing like that? What kind of a person would say, just remove it? Have you looked at a mountain lately? I can understand in a natural going around it or trying to get over it, and maybe if we would go to Pittsburgh all the time, go to the tunnel, go through it. But remove it? Who would say that? Jesus. Look at Mark eleven twenty three. Who would say that? You think he knows what he's talking about? For verily I say unto you, that whosoever, are you a whosoever here this morning? Are you a whosoever? Don't be one of those that says he was only talking to the people back then. Whosoever means whosoever shall say, everybody say, say, to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. Don't exclude that clause. But shall believe what? Does it say that 
you believe that God's bigger than your mountain? No, it doesn't say that. But shall believe that those things which he, what? Says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he, what? Says or sayeth. Notice the principle here. This is called the law of faith in the Bible. Jesus taught it before he went back to heaven. He's instructing his disciples. It's going to take faith to live this life. For just shall live by what? Faith. And what is the spirit of faith? It believes and therefore speaks, Paul said, right? It believes something and speaks. Now, let me ask you a question. Did all the other Israelites in the Israeli army believe in God? Sure they did. They believed in Jehovah. But did they believe he was bigger than their problem? No. They believed in him. But when they faced a giant, they cowered in fear. See, there was something lacking in their belief, which is why they wouldn't say the right thing like David did. So it's important that we understand what Jesus is trying to tell us is that we've got to speak to our mountain. Not about the mountain. Not talk about how big it is, how wide it is, how strong it is. But speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Now, what we believe, first of all, has got to move our lips. Because if we can't get our belief to move our lips, how can our belief move the mountain? Let me say that again. What we believe has got to move our lips if we expect our lips to move the mountain. Did you see that? There's so much truth there. Anybody can just say it. Look at Luke's Gospel chapter 6. But there has to be belief behind it. There's got to be faith involved. Luke 6.45 here, Jesus is speaking. A good man out of the good treasure, or I like to put the word deposits in there because that's a better rendering. A good man out of the good deposits of his heart brings forth that which is what? Good. An evil man out of the evil treasure or deposit of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. What's prevalent in the heart will come out of the mouth is what Jesus is saying and how many of you know that we were not taught spiritual things we've been trained and taught natural things so for us to believe and speak we've got to get into the word of God and find out what God said and change the way we believe and think and speak that's why he said it's essential that we get our minds renewed to the word of God so, you could say that what's abundant in the heart is what's going to come out of us when we're squeezed or challenged with certain situations in life. You could say we're like a tube of toothpaste. When you're squeezed, what's on the inside is going to manifest on the outside. So if we're full of doubt and unbelief and worry and anxiety and fear and we're squeezed, what's going to come out? Doubt, unbelief, worry, fear, the list goes on and on. Insecurity, 
and all that. But as he said, the good man will put good deposits in his heart so that when he squeezes, what's going to come out? Good things are going to come out. This is the principle that Jesus is trying to communicate to the people. You've got to spend a lot of time like David did, sitting with the sheep. And remember, he was a shepherd of sheep. And it's only right that he would write the 23rd Psalm inspired by the Holy Ghost, wouldn't you say? The Lord is my shepherd, because if you're the shepherd, you're the shepherd. And you're watching over the sheep. But who's, who's the shepherd's shepherd? The Lord, Jehovah, is my shepherd. And because he has a revelation of God being his shepherd, he says, I shall not want. I will not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures because I lead the sheep into green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters because I lead the sheep beside still waters. He restores my soul. He helps me think the way I'm supposed to think because the sheep can't think for themselves. He leads me along the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death where there's trouble on every side, I fear no evil for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of all my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over, praise God. Surely goodness and mercy. There's no doubt in that. There's no unbelief in that will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All that came out of his heart as he sat back and he saw himself being shepherded by the great shepherd of the sheep. Can you see that? And so it pours out of him. And we've got to do the same thing. We are constantly being bombarded with doubt and unbelief around every corner. If you listen to the news, if you read the newspaper or magazine or whatever... It produces nothing but fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, unbelief. We're bombarded with it. And if we feed on it, what's going to be in us? All that. But if we sit back and just say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The one who lives in me is greater than he that is in this world. No matter what I hear, see, feel, taste, touch, doesn't really matter because greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Oh, the God I serve, we'll get, get to that in a minute, but if we would feed our hearts with that, then praise God, it'll rise up. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Did you notice how David, when he got there before Goliath and he heard all that nonsense that was going on, didn't even hesitate? He didn't go, hey, hey Goliath, wait a minute. He didn't do that, did he? He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the army of the living God. What a revelation. No hesitation. That's what faith is all about. That's what belief from the heart and confession of the mouth. No one had to twist him. You're saying the wrong thing now, brother. Watch what you're saying. Now, there's some truth to that, but the core thing is what's most important. Because if it's not coming out of your heart, it's not faith. Okay? Look at Mark's gospel, chapter 11. Jesus spoke to things. Some said he was a good teacher. No, he was either a lunatic, a liar, or the son of God. Why? Because he spoke to a tree. 
Can you imagine that? Jesus answered and said to it, the tree, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and his disciples heard it. And guess what happened? The tree dried up and died from the root. He spoke to a tree. Now, if you saw your leader walking over to a plant, no flowers grow from thee hereafter forever, plastic or otherwise. <laughs> Can you imagine if they dried up and they were plastic and they just dried up? <laughs> hey, I kid you not. I have witnesses to this. Not this past Friday, but the Friday before at healing class. We got that little something happened and, and the lights went out. I'm teaching my class. The light goes out. Lights go out. It's pitch dark in there. You can't see the words. I said, let there be light. They came on. <laughs> Instantly they came back on. Whoa. Imagine that. Jesus, you ready? Spoke to the wind and the sea. Look in, in Mark's gospel, chapter 4, verse 39. And he rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea. Now, if you're on that boat and it's going under and you're going to drown, you're going to die, you're probably going, we have a life preserver. Hey, what do you got? What's going on here? You're talking to each other. Jesus, first of all, they have to wake him up. That in itself shows you how peaceful and calm he was. But they've got a master, carest thou not that we're perishing? I mean, this, this thing is getting whipped around. and all. The, can you imagine that? He's sleeping. Resting his head on the pillow of his own promises. And he says to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. When God speaks, I'll tell you what, things cease and there's a great calm. We can understand that about God. But now see, Jesus is shifting this thing over. He says, you speak to your mountain. He actually told us to speak to a tree too. But this is Jesus. He's speaking to objects. Whether it's a mountain. Whether it's the mountain is a, a storm at the sea. Or whatever. But then he spoke also uh, to other things. He spoke to Lazarus and said come forth. Did he not? He did. And he came forth. He that was dead. But then also in Mark 5 he spoke to demons. And the demons obeyed him. For he said unto him. Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. This man was uncontrollable. He was demon-possessed with a legion of demons. He was so empowered by these demons, he could break fetters and chains, and they could not hold him bound. He was off in the wilderness somewhere. Really, nobody wanted to be near him. But Jesus walks over to him and says, Come out of him. And the long story short, he came out and the man was brought to his right mind because his words had power. His words had power. And he's trying to tell us, your words have power too. But notice in Luke 4, he spoke to a fever. He stood over her, this is Peter's mother-in-law, and rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered to them. So Jesus demonstrated faith and spoke to things, whether it's a, a storm at sea, whether it's a sickness or a disease, and the list goes on and on. And what happened, those things obeyed him. 
And that's Jesus, and we understand that. But what about us? Well, Jesus told us to speak to our mountains. He told us to speak. What you believe in your heart, let it be released through your mouth. And you speak to your mountain. Is your mountain fear? If the mountain is fear, and you're going through life bound by fear, don't just start speaking. Do what David did. First start meditating. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 41 and verse 10, if you're facing some fears, get this into your heart. Me too, all of us. No one's exempt. Fear not. Fear thou not. Why? I am. I am with thee. Can you say this with me? The great I am is with me. Say it again. The great I am is with me. Be not dismayed for I am thy God. Say it with me, the great I am is my God. When I know the great I am is with me, and I know the great I am is my God, praise God, can you imagine that? Now, whenever I go down to the YMCA and work out a little bit, I bring my son with me. Because when anybody sees his muscles, I have nothing to fear. know what I mean that's the natural see but more than that when I go down to the Y and work out I bring my God with me I know he's with me I know he's for me and I know he's in me so I need not fear well what did he say he would do I will strengthen you I will uh, I will help you and I will uphold you with the right hand of my, my, my righteousness. That's something that we have to get to sink down into our hearts and say, he's talking to me. He will do that for me. And notice in the middle there where it says, I will help thee. In the Hebrew translation of this, it kind of comes out this way. I will provide what you need to help you. And if I don't have it, I will create it for you to make it work. What about a God like that? I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness. The right hand. So he is saying you can count on me. See David believed that before Goliath. Which is why David said it to Goliath. And as a result of course victory came. Is it let's just say um, another verse is there for you. You can look it up for yourself. 2 Timothy 1.7 God hasn't given me a spirit of fear but power loving of a sound mind. He doesn't give me the spirit of fear, but what? Everybody say power, Power. love, and a sound mind. Those three things deal with fear. Power in the name of Jesus. Love, perfect love, cast out all fear. And a sound mind, praise God. He'll keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on him because you trust in him. So there's perfect peace and there is no fear. But then also, if it's, let's say, example, yours is worry. Anybody here ever get troubled by worry and anxiety? We've all been down that road before. When you're looking at certain situations and it seems like there's no end to it. He said, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25, he said, man, don't take any thought for your life. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Notice who said it. Take no thought for your life. What you're going to eat, drink, or what you're going to put on your body. Or what you're going to put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? 
Don't, and he goes on through that whole section of scripture and ends it by saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added to you. So in other words, if you'll focus your attention on serving God, surrendering to his will, living for him, seeking out these biblical truths, understanding the operation of the kingdom of God, he said, then there's not even a need for to be concerned about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, put on, etc., etc. Don't let worry overcome you. Philippians 4, 6, what did Paul, the apostle say? Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God of past all understanding will keep your heart and mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. So don't even allow that to enter in. What did Peter say? First Peter 5, 7. Cast the whole of your care upon him because he cares for you watchfully and about you affectionately is the amplified version of that. Cast all your care upon him. Why? Why can I cast all my care upon him? Say it, say it with me. He cares for me. Say it again. Father, you care for me. Doesn't that sound good? I know you care for me. I know you care for me. See, David had all this on the inside already. God loves me. God's there for me. He's my strength. He's my helper. He's my guide. He will uphold me. He'll fight for me. He'll defend me. I know that. And so David stood there before Goliath without any sense of fear because he knew what his God would do for him. I love Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord's my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Say that with me. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Hallelujah. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that just ring true? You see, the confession has got to be based on what God said. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, the latter part of 6, or 5 rather, and then verse 6. For he hath said, he hath said, Everything you say, everything I say has got to be rooted and grounded in something that God already said. Otherwise, you're making up your own thing. Everything I say has got to be rooted and grounded in what God said. For he has said, in the Amplified, I will not, I will not, I will not, by any degree, leave you or forsake you. God Almighty saying this, embrace its truth. I will not, I will not, I will not by any degree leave you or forsake you that you may boldly say. Say it with me. The Lord's my helper. I will not fear. Say it again. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Well, that's a good reason why not to fear, wouldn't you say? But he said it so that you can boldly say it. And I can boldly say it. And that's what's important to remember. Now, what if it's sin? The power of sin. Look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. If there's some sin, a mountain of sin that you've been dealing with in your life, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. For sin shall not have dominion over you. So speak to the mountain. But get that revelation in your heart. Sin has no power over me. Say it with me. Sin has no power over me I have power over sin see but if I'm not saying that if I'm not believing that and saying that then that mountain will stand right there before me and you can't get over it you can't get around it you can't bore through it but when you realize start believing that sin has no dominion over you and start saying sin has no dominion over me whatever it might be this is the principle, I believe, upon which each and every one of us is to build our lives. As the scripture says, the just shall live by what? Faith. And what's faith? I believe 
therefore have I spoken. And you can't take one away from the other. They both must be in sync and in harmony with the word of God. I believe that God said he won't leave me and forsake me. So I can boldly say the Lord's my helper, I won't fear. So sin has no dominion over me. It will not remove until you start believing and saying you have no dominion over me. Now I'm going to throw this one out to you. This will bless your heart. One fellow was uh, addicted to nicotine. And I like the way they say this. She said, I was prayed for by the best. Don't you? Who's the best? Prayed for by the best. And then another brother said, so what's good you're going to pray for me? Because I'm not going to pray for it, but I'm telling you what to do if you want delivered. Start saying, tobacco has no dominion over me. Nicotine has no dominion over me. You have no dominion over me. He goes, I know. You're not going to tell me to throw my pack of cigarettes away. He goes, no, I'm not. Go ahead and smoke if you want. But you say every time you light one up, you have no dominion over me. In the name of Jesus Christ, you have no dominion over me. I saw him a few weeks later. He said, I kept saying that. And before I knew it, I didn't have a desire for it. Completely free. But if you keep on saying, it's such a powerful drug, you just can't get. What are you doing? You're strengthening that. Can you see that? See, if we don't believe in spiritual things, then you're not going to have spiritual answers to your problems. But when you start saying, you have no dominion over me, you look at that thing right in the face. And whatever it is that you might be addicted to, if it's pornography, you look at that thing right in the face and say, you have no dominion over me in the name of Jesus Christ. Speak to your mountain. Speak directly to your mountain. Talk to your mountain. Jesus spoke to sickness and disease, didn't he? Stretch forth thine hand. Now the point is this. This kind of preaching is way. Brother Ben, help me. (laughs) It's way up there. Thank you. And he was sitting down. It was still harder than mine. People want to be up there without starting from down here. Start speaking to the small things. Start saying some things from your heart with your mouth that agree and harmonize with the word of God. You know, and then you'll begin to see it work in your life. And before you know it, you're going to see it grow and you get stronger and develop more and more and more. I remember listening to one person teaching about his faith life he says I started from socks I believe I received a pair of socks he said he did he says now I can believe for a whole ministry you see he started with socks now he can believe for a ministry that's where it starts believe God even in the small things I believe I receive a job I believe I receive a job you know we've been saying I'm saying this over again because I'm not going to stop saying we've been saying that this this Beaver County you know what? It's not a dying area, but a thriving. How many know we've been saying that for years? When everybody else was out there saying, this is an old retirement community and love. Everybody's leaving and going off and all that. We've been saying, no, it's a thriving area. Businesses are coming in large and small to provide employment opportunities for the people of this area, especially of the household of faith. Now, we're not taking full credit for this plant coming in here. But we are. <laughs> God, will make, God will make a highway. 
right? We make a highway and God moves, right? And he'll bring in businesses large and small. Now we hear they're on the phone calling up all kind of retailers to bring them back to the mall, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It just builds and builds and builds and builds. But would it, why would we want to echo in with all the other doubters and just say, it's, yeah, it's a dying community that you're living in and can't find a job anywhere. Stop talking like that. Start saying something like this. God will make a way for me where there is no way. Doesn't matter where I live. God will make a way where there is no way. So if it's a situation like that, or something that you're going through uh, in your body or whatever. Speak to it in the name of Jesus. Speak to it and tell it what you want it to do. Function correctly in the name of Jesus. So there's, there's power in our words is what Jesus is trying to tell us. Then, um, you know, there's, there's other things. There's anger, sickness, financial lack or whatever. But according to Jesus, speaking is what gives action to our faith. Speaking is what gives action to our faith. He said this over and over again. If you had faith, you would say. If you had faith, you would say. If you had faith, you would say. You would say to the sycamine tree, I love this one. This is a beautiful one. Beautiful picture that it paints. Anybody here have a problem with unforgiveness or bitterness ever in your life? Okay. Here's what he says. Look. Peter, of course, Peter's always in there doing something. Right? He's always that way. Lord, how many times should I forgive somebody? Seven times? Jesus said, Peter, you, seven times 70. Lord, then increase our faith. Increase my faith. He said, Peter, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say to the sycamine tree, be plucked up by the root, planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Why the sycamine tree? It has these roots that branch out. Roots of bitterness, unforgiveness, that people allow to take place and root in their hearts. And they wonder why they're not getting anywhere in God. The root of bitterness will spring up. It will defile us, the Bible says, right? So he said, those roots of bitterness, stop saying, I can't forgive him. I'll never forgive her. Stop saying I'm so bitter and all that. Don't talk like that and don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. You know what you say? Bitterness out. Plucked up from the root, planted into the sea. Not just plucked up. Have you tried to plant anything in the sea? Has anyone ever tried that? Can you even stand there without getting knocked over by a wave? No, but your words, he said, can uproot it from your heart. Put it in the sea of forgetfulness. And whenever the feeling of bitterness or unforgiveness rises up, what are you going to say? Too late. I forgave. I forgave. I'm free from bitterness. As far as I'm concerned, I'm free. And I will not even touch it in thought life. You see, what you're doing is you're taking charge of your life. It was exactly what Jesus said to do. Now, look at some of the things I have there for you. There are some things, if faith is speaking, gives action to our faith, then we've got to start saying something like this. My God supplies all my need. My God supplies all my need. My God supplies. Instead of saying, I can't make ends meet, we go from pay to pay. It seems like we can never, never have enough. This breaks down. That breaks down. Before you know, stop giving place to that because your words are containers of life or death. And when we keep talking like that, 
I'm sure God gets a little bit upset with us because we're tying his hands. Start saying my God supplies all my need. Start saying by his stripes I was healed. Start saying greater is he that's in me than the mountain I'm facing. Greater is he that's in me than the circumstance that I'm going through. Greater is he that is in me than the situation that has risen up in my life. Greater is he who is in me than any enemy I can face in this life. Greater is he that is in me than the devil and his cohorts and all his bunch. Greater is he that is in me than all the fears, the worries, the anxieties of the world that I face today and every day of my life. I'm saying greater Greater is he that is in me until it becomes a reality to me. It may not start out as a reality, but by the time you get done saying it a million times, all of a sudden you'll start, you'll catch it, you'll see it. That's right. He's greater than me. In any situation here brought you through, come up and praise God. You know what? I, I can't finish this. Let's stand up before the Lord. There's this so much more, and I may want to continue this here soon, but our conclusion is this. You can speak to a mountain or let your mountain speak to you. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. and now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus I'm now your child, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.